Well, amen. It is good to be at River City again. And I love your pastor. I love your church. It's exciting. Um, the new the auditorium remodel looks good. I'm excited for you. My heart was encouraged tonight to see young people leading worship. And that's an awesome thing. That's something to be proud of. That is something to cheer them on for. And I just want to commend you all um, for doing that tonight. That is a blessing. You don't see that everywhere. This will be probably the 27th church, different church I've been in this year. And that's the first time that I've seen teenagers leading worship this year. And I think that's something to be encouraged by and something to be excited about. That's a blessing that there's youth and that, they're, uh, that they'll get up here and do that. I just want to commend you for that. We're going to jump right in tonight because we've got a two-hour drive. Amen. And uh, we're ready. I, I'm, I'm, here to fri- we're, I'm here to fish and we're just going to preach for a minute tonight anyway. So but let's look at Acts chapter number 26. Acts chapter number 26, and I want to, just a very practical message uh, tonight. We're going to work through a lot of verses and then just wrap this up. Something I could, I believe can be a big help to us. And I want to preach to you just for a minute tonight on this subject, how to be a faithful witness this Christmas. How to be a faithful witness this Christmas. You see, Christmas time is a time where we're going to be around some people that we're not always around. We're going to be around some family members, maybe, that we don't see any other time of the year. We're going to be around some friends and some co-workers that uh, we may not have spent uh, those type of social interactions with. And I believe in our text here in Acts chapter number 26 are some things we can learn from Paul on how to witness to those that are different than us, how to witness to those that we don't always agree with, how to connect and to show someone that doesn't see eye to eye with us the gospel. And by the way, that should be the heartbeat of all of us tonight, is being a witness to a lost and dying world. These next few weeks leading up to Christmas can be some of the busiest of the year, can't they? I mean, it can be stressful. The decorating, um, and I don't help decorate at my house because I value my marriage. Somebody help me tonight. Um, The decorating, the parties, the planning, the shopping. And now I hate that part of it. Is anybody else like that? I hate the shopping. I'm one of those people, I, I believe we ought to shop local, but thank God for Amazon anyway. Okay, I love, listen, shopping for me, going to the store, I'm not into it. Um, the Christmas programs, there's just a lot going on. And you've heard sermons like this, don't forget the reason for the season. We've all heard that before. The purpose, the focus, the incarnation. I mean, what an awesome doctrine, what an awesome thing. The coming of our Savior, the birth of our King. From this text tonight, I want to show us how we can be a faithful gospel witness this season. If you study the book of Acts, and I believe if I remember correctly, your pastor taught through it uh, maybe last year or the year before. And if you remember at all the life of Paul, he was a man that had been through a lot from that day that he was converted on that Damascus road to the time of his death. He was persecuted for preaching the gospel. He was stoned for preaching the gospel. He was run out of city after city. It was the same story. Every city that he went, same story, run out of town. He was beaten. He was lied about. In our text, you're even going to see he faced a, a, a corrupt political system over and over again. And we're going to see how he responds, but we all know this if we've studied his life. He remained a faithful witness. In spite of the persecution, in spite of the stoning, in spite of being run out of town after town, he remained a faithful 
witness. As we pick up in our text, he has been on trial or has been examined by the elders and by the chief priests now over and over again. For two years, I believe it was Festus had left him in prison. For two years, he stayed in prison bound because Festus didn't want to deal with him. Y'all remember the story? Felix didn't want to deal with him. They didn't want to take responsibility because they didn't believe he was guilty of anything. Yet the chief priests and the elders over and over again, make accusation against him, basically saying that he was defiling the temple. And what they meant by that was he was allowing Gentiles to go in with him. He was ministering to Gentiles. And aren't you thankful that the gospel's for the Gentile? It's for every race, it's for every tongue, it's for every tribe tonight. Okay, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll think that Jesus was white. That's what we've kind of got in our minds sometimes as Americans, that he was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, that's how I view him. Somebody help me tonight. But listen, Paul was really tearing down their tradition, those things. And, that, and, and Paul even comes to a point where he says, the only thing I'm guilty of is preaching a resurrected Jesus. You see, they didn't like him because of what he was preaching. In chapter number 25, he, he goes, uh, Festus ends up going to King Agrippa in order for his help. Now, King Agrippa, and I just want to set the table here real quickly, was an expert in Jewish law. His great-grandfather had tried to kill Jesus when Jesus was a baby. His grandfather had John the Baptist, I think you preached on this Sunday, had John the Baptist's head chopped off. Um, so, this is who he's standing before. We're going to see another character in this story, a lady named Bernice. Now, at first read, if you were to read this in chapter number 26, you're going to think that Bernice was probably Agrippa's wife, but here's the thing, it was his sister. And many believe historically that King Agrippa had an incestuous relationship with his sister Bernice. So, just as we set the stage here, these were some messed up people, okay? By the way, have you ever noticed that Jerry Springer has nothing on the Bible? Somebody help me tonight. <laughs> Save yourself some money. Don't get cable. Just start reading your Bible. There's some awesome stuff in here. Messed up. All right. So that's who we're going to see. Paul had, uh, Paul had already dealt with Festus. He was always gracious to him. Paul had dealt with Felix, his other corrupt political leader. And guess what? He was gracious with him. Now in our text, we're going to see him standing before King Agrippa. And I just want to work through this chapter and then give us five or six things that we can take away. How to be a faithful witness this Christmas. Look at chapter 26, verse number 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. So here Agrippa gives Paul once again, and if you've studied Acts, you know that chapter 23, 24, 25, this is the same thing that's happened over and over. The chief priests and the elders make an accusation. They bring him before, they bring him before different leaders, okay, in different places. It's kind of like he keeps getting passed up the totem pole. Same thing happens. He gives the, he's given the opportunity to speak, and he does exactly what is happening here. Look at verse number two. I think myself, and this is Paul speaking, look what he says. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused by the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among of the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. So Paul begins to address Agrippa here, and he's gracious. Man, he just speaks to him. He just tells him his story. He tells him what's going 
on. And he begins here in verse number 4 as we're going to see. He begins to give Agrippa his testimony. Look at verse number 4. Keep your Bible open. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem. No, all the Jews. Which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So he's beginning to tell Agrippa here about his Jewish upbringing. He says, listen, from the time I was a youth, I was brought up a Jew. I ended up being a strict Pharisee. I was a very religious person. Look at verse number 6. Now I stand, and I love that word, and now, because some things had changed along the way. Aren't you thankful that God changes things along the way? Look at it. And now I stand and am judged. Look at it. For the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. So Paul, if you know Paul, uh, in his writings in Romans, and most of his writings, he writes almost like a lawyer. He states a, ca a case many times. And that's what he's doing here. He's giving his testimony, but he's stating a case. He's flipping it on him. He's telling those Jews, that high priest, and those elders, as Agrippa's standing there, he's telling them their history. Okay, look at this. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Who are the fathers of you? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's reminding them of those Old Testament covenants, those Old Testament promises. Look at verse 7. Unto which promise the twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Verse number 8, look at this. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead. So he flips them on. He says, why are y'all making a big deal? We serve the same God. Listen, you're, you, the God that I'm talking about is the God that you're talking about. Why would it surprise you that he raised Jesus from the dead? Why would it surprise you? That's the promise that has been made all the way since the old covenant. Look at verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Nazareth. Verse 10. So he started out, he gives his Jewish testimony, kind of his heritage, where he had come from. Now he kind of tells of his past, if you remember, and I think sometimes we forget, who was Paul before he got saved? Listen, he was a persecutor of Christians. Right. Think about this. He was a terrorist. I think sometimes we kind of minimize who he was. He would not have packed a, passed a background check to work in the nursery. Right. Y'all understand that, right? Yeah. Listen, he, it would, this would have been like, in our culture, and I'm not trying to be funny here, this would have been like Bin Laden getting saved and then coming into town and preaching. You think some of us would have been skeptical? Yeah, sure. Sometimes we try to super spiritualize some of this. This was real life, man. And he's about to say it. Look at verse 10, just in case you don't believe me. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, many of the saints, look at this, did I shut up in prison. He's saying, listen, I locked up Christians in prison. Having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. He says, I'm the one who gave the command to have them killed. We know that he witnessed that first martyr's death, Stephen. That was Paul, okay? That's who is preaching the gospel. Man, I'm, I'm thankful God changes lives tonight. Look at verse 11. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto the strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority, a commission from the chief priest. So he starts out, remember, he gives them a testimony about his Jewish upbringing. He gives them a testimony about who he was before salvation, a persecutor of Christians. Now he's going to give them a testimony about his salvation. 
salvation. By the way, these are people that wanted to kill him. That he's telling this stuff to. These are people that didn't like him. These are, he's standing there being accused. And man, they, it, it, the, uh, chapter number 24 uses this phraseology that they even cried that he might be killed, that he would not live another day. And look what he's doing yeah. sharing his story with them, telling his testimony to them. Look at verse number 13. He's on the Damascus Road, and at midday, O king, look at how he addresses him. He doesn't say, You sorry, dirty. He says, O king. He, he uses respect as he's talking to him. I saw. In the way, a light from heaven, above the brightness, above the sun, shining round about me, was journeying with me. And when we had fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying to the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for have I appeared unto thee for a purpose. Paul's giving his testimony of salvation. To make me a minister and of his calling. To make me a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen. Those things in which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people. And this is important. And from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee. So that was Paul's calling. He's just sharing a story with them. Alright, look at verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance to them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So he says, listen, that vision that I had that day on the Damascus Road, and then if you remember Paul's life, that also that vision of the sheets, remember the sheets of the four corners were held by those unclean, does everybody remember that? Basically signifying that Paul was going to minister to the Gentiles. That's what he's sharing with King Agrippa. Look at verse 20. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works for meat for repentance. So he says, listen, this is all I've been doing. Preaching, repent, and believe on Jesus. And look what he says in verse 21. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Because I've been preaching the gospel and because my life's been changed, they want to kill me. Look at verse number 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing, this is important, both to small and great. Man, he's standing before a king here. But you know, he was going city to city preaching to anybody. Well, listen, the poor, the rich, the Jew, the Gentile, here in this verse, small and great. Look at verse, uh, witnessing both to small and great, middle verse 22. Saying none other things than those which the prophets here he is again. And Moses did say should come. So he says, listen, this is stuff that Moses and John, that, this is stuff that's been preached. This ain't new. Look at verse 23. That Christ should suffer, that he should be the first, that should be risen from the dead, and that he should show light unto the people. And this is the part they hated. And unto the Gentiles. Look at verse 24. And he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice. So Festus is there. He's the one who brought him to King Agrippa. And he can see that King Agrippa is starting to fall under conviction. And look what, look what Festus does. You got your Bibles open? Yeah. And I hate to do so many verses and bore you with the Bible tonight. Somebody help me tonight. <laughs> Paul, thou art beside thyself. He, he's calling him out here. 
He's saying, you're mad. You're much learning. You are mad. He could see that Agrippa was under conviction, and he did not like it after he started because he was a people pleaser, okay? He wanted to please the chief priest and the, the, the Jews that were there. So he interrupts the whole thing and tries to put ice on it, okay? Does that make sense? Tries to cool it off. Look at verse 25. But he said, I'm not mad. And look how this is amazes me. Because if I'm Paul, I ain't talking. I'm not going to be this kind. I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. He goes, I'm just speaking the truth, and I'm doing it with a clear mind. I'm not over-emotionally reacting. And you can tell that by the way that Paul is speaking to him. Now look at verse number 26. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. Paul says, I ain't trying to hide nothing. I've been preaching the same message in every city. Only thing I'm guilty of is preaching the gospel. Look at verse number 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And this is one of the saddest verses in all in Holy Writ. Look at verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, notice this, look at Paul's burden here. But also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except in these bonds. You know what Paul was saying there? Even though you are persecuting me, even though you want to kill me, my heart is that you would be saved and that you wouldn't even be in bonds like I'm in bonds right now. Man, what a heart. I mean, that's some, that's pretty hard. That's some real Christianity there, right? I mean, that's some tough stuff. Look at verse 30. And when he had spoken, the king rose up, the governor Bernice, and they sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, look, they even knew he was innocent. Y'all see this? This man doeth nothing worthy of death or bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set of liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. Now, that's an amazing story, isn't it? I mean, here's Paul all through, and this is almost to the end of Acts, but for the last 20 chapters, okay, he's been persecuted, he's been lied about, Chief priests and the Jews have been trying to kill him. And you know what he faithfully does? He faithfully witnesses. Now what got a hold of me as I was studying this text is how he responded to Festus, Felix, and King Agrippa. And because if I'm, if I'm in the flesh and I'm Paul and they're making these accusations against me, I ain't calling them old noble Festus. I'm not calling them old King Agrippa. I'm not talking sweet to them, Right? I'm putting them in their place. I'm, I'm going to tell them what I think, what I believe. I'm not going to be Mr. Nice Guy. But here's, that's the difference between Paul and us. You see, many of us, we've grown up in this religious world where we've got to get the last word in, where we've got to get everybody on our page, where everybody's got to believe just like we do. i got some news for you. Not everybody does. And here's the thing. The problem with the world, and this is where the church don't like this type of preaching most of the time. The problem with, with most of the problem with the world ain't the things of the world. The problem with the world is that they've never met Jesus. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we will try to push our morality, our standards, what we believe on the world instead of pushing Jesus and the gospel on them. We can push morality, we can push standards, we can push all that on them, but if they never met Jesus, they're still going to spend eternity in hell. Man, so I think we can learn a few things from Paul in this passage on how to deal with those that are different than us. Does anybody else have a family member that just gets under your skin you're going to see this month? 
Don't raise your, we're, we're not live streaming, so are we good? So there's some hands raised in here. Man, I've got some that as soon as I see them, preacher, I just want to say, would you just shut up? Like everything that comes out of their mouth. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about cursing. It's just dumb. Like they want to talk about it. And I'm just like, and, and it gets under my skin. And it's like, I want to put them in their place. But you notice, the first thing I want you to notice in our text here is how Paul dealt with them. He was respectful and he was gracious. Can I just say this? If you're going to win your lost friends at you, that you work with, if you're going to win and push your coworkers towards Jesus, you're not going to do it by being a jerk. So many Christians, you know what we're known for? Being jerks. We'll condemn them because of the places they go. We'll condemn them because of the words that they say. We'll condemn them because of the things that they put in their body. None of that's the problem. You know what the problem is? They don't know Jesus. So often we try to fix all this other stuff when the root of the problem needs to be fixed. Maybe they don't know Jesus because they've never met anyone that acts like they do. I had a guy come to me one time and he said, Preacher, I'm being persecuted at work for being a Christian. And I said, man, I hate to hear that. I said, I'll be praying for you, man. I hate that you're being persecuted. I hate that they're doing this. Well, come to find out somebody that he worked with started coming to our church. Come to find out he wasn't being persecuted because he was a Christian. He was being persecuted because he was just simply a jerk. He's getting in everybody else's business, tearing everybody else down, trying to tell everybody else how holy he was. Listen, Paul was gracious and respectful. Think with me here. He speaks to him with respect. He speaks to him with grace. By the way, it was Paul who wrote in Colossians chapter 4. Listen to these words. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Redeeming the time. Now listen to these words. Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. Do you know as Christians, we shouldn't be known just about what we're against. We should be known what we're for. So many of us, we run our mouths, we make posts. If we were to go to our Facebook posts, there's so much political garbage on there. People wouldn't know if we worshipped America or Jesus. And I'm, I'm an American. Listen, you cut me, I bleed red, white, and blue. I run around with an American flag, all that stuff. But sometimes, if we're not careful... That can become an idol to us because we're preaching a gospel other than Jesus Christ sometimes if right. we're not careful. I want you to listen to me. One of the things I was thinking about, I was walking out of Lowe's the other day. And man, Lowe's was packed. Don't go on a Saturday. I go in there and uh, getting ready to leave Lowe's Saturday. And the person says to me, happy holidays on your way out. And something inside of me, from my toes to my head, I just start boiling. Okay, and you may not be to relate to that. I got issues. I'm backwoods redneck. I, it's just one of them things. And I, my flesh wanted to turn around. like John. I felt like I was John Wayne. I wanted to turn around. Merry Christmas! You know? It's not happy holidays. That's what my flesh wanted to do. You know what? Sometimes as Christians, that's how we can be. Now, let me ask you. If I do that, am I doing any good for anybody? God taught me in another lesson. I was at Target back before we boycotted it. Are we supposed to boycott that? <laughs> We still go. Don't tell anybody, okay? We still go in there. We were in Target. I was doing some Christmas shopping for my wife and my daughter on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and we were having a Christmas Eve service. <laughs> so I was crunched for time. This is when we lived in Baltimore for 15 years. It was Target. I'm in there, man, trying to get all this stuff last minute. I don't, I don't, 
I, I don't recommend that. And I don't remember, uh, Target and Dollar General are terrible places to get Christmas presents for your wife, by the way. Somebody help me, okay? But anyhow, it's in there and getting ready. I had to get to the church. We had, I think we had three services that night. And here I am last minute at Target. We're about to have these huge church services. I'm at Target trying to get Christmas presents. I get up there. And is anybody else? I'm the worst at picking lines. I mean, I could, if I pick a line, I'll just tell you this. Go to the other one because something's going to happen. Well, I get in line, get over there. i got all this stuff. I'm already stressed about that time. This is back when they had people that still worked in stores, okay? About that time, the light just starts blinking, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just start getting in the flesh. I know you are way better Christians than me. You've never done that in a restaurant or in a store. But I start getting just, like, worked up a little bit. And I just start being a jerk. And by the time we get up there, I'm just being ignorant to that little girl that's working there. And she was with child. I wasn't thinking about all this at first. You know, she's probably a single mom there who wants to be there on Christmas Eve. You know, we don't think in those ways. We're so selfish. Here she is, pregnant, single mom, probably just trying to provide for her family. You know, doing the best she can. I'm being a jerk to her. And it's obvious I'm being a jerk. Everybody around me knows that I'm hot and I'm not happy. And about that time, hey, pastor, (laughs) from across there. And you know what God reminded me in that moment? How selfish, how stupid, how bad of a witness so often we are when we're not even thinking about it. You know why it was so easy for us to go door to door back in the day and witness to people we don't even know? Because we couldn't witness to anybody we do know. Because how we act and how we live. So just think about that. This Christmas, maybe with that family member, just gets under your skin. Maybe just be nice to them. Kill them with kindness. Maybe be gracious. I'm pretty sure none of us had anybody trying to kill us, right? Just an argument. He was gracious. Be kind in your witness. Be gracious in your disposition. Be Christ-like in your responses. Verses 12 through 15, notice this. He points people to Jesus, not to self. I was reminded of this. When Paul witnessed, it was never about him. It was always about Jesus. It was never about him being freed. He could care less about that. It was always about preaching Jesus Christ. I was reminded of John chapter 12, verse 32 that says this, And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. A faithful witness is not pointing people to self. A faithful witness is not trying to convince one of a position, a political party, or a religion. A faithful witness is trying to point people to Jesus. Thirdly, I want you to notice this, verses 16 through 18. A faithful witness witnesses to all kinds of of people. Paul witnessed to the poor, the rich, old and young, Jews and Gentiles. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but here's the thing. The gospel is big enough and good enough for everybody. Knows no racial bounds, knows no age bounds. Listen, preach the gospel to everybody that you come in contact with. That's what Paul did his entire life. Y'all understand that, right? Everywhere he went, he preached the gospel. In the marketplace, guess what he did? He preached the gospel. In the synagogues, he preached the gospel. At homes, he preached the gospel. Listen, soul winning and witnessing isn't just something we have an appointed time for. It should be our lives telling people about. You see, didn't Paul think about it? He knew what it was like to have a changed life. He, he hadn't forgotten that he was a terrorist, but he was on a road to Damascus and that bright light shone, shined one day and God saved him. I think sometimes what happens is after we've been in church for a little while, we forget who we were before the grace of God sought us Amen. and saved us. Amen. Aren't you thankful that he was looking for us when we weren't looking for him? 
Some of us need to go back to who we were before we got saved by the grace of God. Let me tell you something. That a lot of fire inside of you once in a while. If you remember when he loved you, when you were unlovable, he loved you in spite of you. Listen, he broke those chains of addiction. He broke, is, everybody, is anybody waking here and remember that at all tonight? Man, go back to those moments sometime. Paul witnessed to all kinds of people. And then something I noticed too, verses 19 through 23, he preached the true gospel. You know, all of us are preaching something. What I found is many Christians are preaching everything but the true gospel. We preach conservativeness. We preach politics. We preach morality. We preach Baptist distinctives. Many times we fail to preach the one thing that will take care of all the rest of those things. The gospel. Preach the gospel. Jesus and the message of Jesus is the only thing that makes dead men live again. Man, that should be our story. And you say, Jake, how can I share? Man, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to tell somebody the gospel. I don't know how to share it with my family member. Here's all you have to do. Tell them what God's done in your life. Amen. Man, tell them about how he's changed it. Every person in here has a story, just like Paul, that they can tell. And then fifthly, I, I noticed this in verses 22 through 28. He was rejected by King Agrippa. This is what we have to understand is we must understand that the Lord's in control. It's not our job to save or convince anyone. You know what our job is? Just to tell them. If you could convince them to get saved, they ain't going to get saved. The Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God must, must collide. No man comes to the Father unless God draw him. It's got to be God saving them. It was Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but what? God giveth the increase. It's our job just to tell them. Now, I used to feel like I was getting rejected when I was witnessing to somebody and they wouldn't want to trust Christ. Man, that's not what it's about. My job ain't to save or to convince. My job is to share. My job is to love. My job is to pray. It is God's job to save. You do your job and let God do His job. Problem is, many times we ain't doing our job. It's amazing. The more people that I witness to, the more people end up getting saved. It's good. It's the craziest thing. Man, the more people I share the gospel with, the more that will respond to it. Right. Many times we don't see responses to the gospel because we ain't sharing the gospel. Right. Man, so I just encourage this and share. Yeah. Share the gospel. Think about this. Who's the last person? Am I too practical? Is it too practical? No, Who's the last person you just witnessed to? Who's the last person you said, listen, Jesus changed my life. Let me tell you what he's done in my family. Let me tell you what he's done in my marriage. Let me tell you what he's doing in our church. Who's the last one? Here's the problem. We, as Baptists and as Christians, we're so good at complaining about what's going on in the world. I propose to you this, but this may, I may get in trouble. And I, I didn't get my love offering yet, so I don't know if I want to go here. But here's the thing. So often we're really good about complaining about what's going on out there. I propose to you this. The reason we're in the mess out there is because we've been in a mess in here. Go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all remember that when it got destroyed? You'll hear so many sermons. And I know it was immorality. I know what was going on there. But what was he looking for? He was looking for some righteous people. They whittled it all the way down to one family, right? And there was some righteous people there. It wasn't based on how many unrighteous there was. It was based on how many were righteous. If the righteous are doing their job, can I just say this? We might not be in the mess that we're in. Think of this. What if all of us actually witnessed all the time? 
If I, we went around the room today and said, how many of us? And I'm like, I just want you thinking these ways. If I went around, how, did you share Jesus with anybody today? I wonder how many of us could say, yeah, preacher, I did. Maybe, let's not even go today. The last week. I want you to think about the last seven days. Man, did you share Jesus with anyone in the last seven days? Man, what about, let's not even go seven days. That may be too close. The last 30 days, last month. The last year. The last five years. You see what I'm saying? Part of the problem is many of us got saved and then we've been sitting in church for the last 20 years doing nothing. Right. That's right. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Share Jesus with people, man. That's what's going to make the difference. Let me give you a couple more and we're done. This, and here's what it comes down to. Look at verse number 29 and we'll be done tonight. Verse number 29. And I, and I want you to notice Paul's heart here. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou... But also, all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. He says this, I pray that everybody I know, everybody I come in contact, whether I like them or not, whether they like me or not, I pray that they get saved. Yes. You know what that tells us about Paul here? He truly had a burden for the lost. No. Man, do you have a burden tonight? I think sometimes we forget, and I just want to give you three things under this, three or four things under this one. I promise we really are done. The first thing I want to just remind us as Christians this, this Christmas is this. Don't forget that the harvest is so great. Yes. There are people all over, listen, that are searching for something. And you know what that thing that will fill that hole in their heart is? Right. Man, it's Jesus. Amen. Man, that problem isn't just an addiction problem. It's a heart problem. Right. Man, that problem isn't just a relationship problem. It's a heart problem. John 4.35, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. There are people everywhere just waiting for someone to tell them, hey, that's your neighbors, that's your co-workers, that's your friends at school. Those are the, listen, those are your family members. Listen, witness to, you may think they're so far gone, God can never save them. I've got some news for you tonight. He still takes the drunk and puts them in the choir loft. Are y'all hearing me tonight? He still changes lives tonight. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit. We'd already be fishing. Listen, realize it's, it's, the harvest is white. Man, the labors are few. Man, when's the last time you just went out into the field? Brought in the harvest. When's the last time you just invited somebody to church? The harvest is so great. You know what else I believe the reason Paul had a burden? Because he knew and realized that hell was so horrible. I think sometimes in the world we live in, especially with the the watered-down, weak need, no Bible preaching right. on both extremes. Come on. By the way, let me just say, if it ain't Bible, it's not preaching. It's motivational speaking. And I know you have a Bible, verse by verse, in the Word. Thank God every day for it. Preaching, okay? And you don't hear a lot of preaching on hell anymore. Here's the truth of the matter. You teenagers listen to me. Everybody in this room listen to me. Yep. People that die without Jesus... Without, listen, without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption of sin. Right. People that die without Jesus spend eternity in hell. Yes. That means your coworkers right. that don't know Jesus will spend eternity in hell. That means your family members that don't know Jesus will spend eternity in hell. Does everybody see why we should have a burden, Come man? Eternal soul. I don't know that this will happen, and it probably won't. But could you imagine if that day we do stand in the presence of our Savior and our King... And we start seeing people we went to school with. We start seeing family members. We start seeing coworkers. We start seeing people we saw at the coffee shop every day. And they're like, hey, 
they're, they're getting cast into hell, and they're like looking at you as you're going into heaven. And I'm not trying to sensationalize here. I want us to think in these terms. They say, hey, why didn't you tell me? Like if you had the cure for cancer, and we, we all know that only the government does. Somebody help me tonight. <laughs> if you had the cure from cancer, what would you be doing? You'd be telling everybody you could. I would be. My daddy died of it. I'd be telling everybody I could. You know, and I, I think sometimes we really forget the depth and we don't grasp this. We have something greater than the cure for cancer. The cure for sin. The cure for eternity. We should be telling everybody we can about it because the harvest is great. Hell is so horrible. The hour is so short. Proverbs 27 verse 10. Boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James 4.14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanisheth away. This year at Christmas I'm going to sit around a table, Brother Brian, and there's going to be some empty spots. There's some people that were with us last year that ain't going to be there. Life is but a vapor, man. I preached funerals this past year for a, a baby that was born, lived three days. I had a 21-year-old young man that came to our church, got saved by the grace of God on a Friday night on an activity. And he stood up that next Sunday night. Didn't even know he got saved. Sunday night in church, he stands up. Preacher, I got saved this week. And, blah, you know, got saved. Didn't even know about it. Little did we know that a year later, he's riding on a side-by-side, something we do all the time. That thing flipped over. Ended up landing on his head. By the time the paramedics got there, his brain's in it. But I, can I just say this? I was able to get up at his funeral. I was able to say, man, he got saved by the yeah. grace of God. He had a brother and a sister that invited him to church and cared enough about him and loved him and prayed for him. And he got right with God. And he got to somebody, oh hey, my goodness. Yeah. We don't know how long we have. Y'all understand that? Man, I, I get those phone calls all the time as a preacher that will just take the wind out of you. Because somebody gone too soon. Witness. We, we've got to be urgent about our father. We must work while it is yet day because it's, it looks night's coming and no man's going to be able to work. It's going to be too late. All I'm saying is this. The hour is so short. If God's laid somebody on your heart. You get them here this next Sunday. You call them tonight. Yeah. You go by and see them this weekend. Invite them to church. Amen. Listen. The harvest is so great. Hell is so horrible. Listen, the hour is so short, but here's the good news. The honor is so rewarded. And I'm thankful to report to you that there's coming a day when we're going to stand, and those of us that know the Lord, those of us that have been saved by the grace of God, we're, we're going to stand in the presence of our King, our Savior. I can't wait for that day. I don't know about you, and this may be a little old-fashioned, but I believe that any moment in the twinkling of an eye, listen, that trump could sound and we could be in His presence, and I can't wait for that day. The Word of God says this, though, many will be ashamed at His coming. Not everybody's going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Man, let's be faithful. Yeah. You ever think about this? It says this in Revelation chapter number 21. He shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. People say, well, there ain't going to be no tears. Well, yeah, there is. How are you going to wipe them away if there ain't none? I wonder what those tears are for. Maybe they're tears of, I mean, I don't know. Maybe tears of regret. Because we are going to stand at the Bema seat. Where we won't be judged for our sin. Because aren't you thankful that's already been paid for. But we are going to be judged for those works. They're going to be tried by fire. Those works that we should have done or didn't do. Those people we did witness to or didn't witness to. All I'm saying is this tonight. This Christmas let's get a burden for souls once again. View that annoying family member. They have a soul man. And I know it don't seem like it sometimes. Think about this as we close. Paul was witnessing to people that wanted to kill him. Yet many times in my life, I won't even witness the people that like me. 
that I sit around the table with, that I see every day at, that, at lunch, that live on my street. And what, a, what an example of Paul. Maybe tonight some of us just need to decide, I'm going to tell them. I'm just going to share the good news. Maybe that kid at school that nobody else likes. Some of you teenagers decide, you know what? I'm just going to go, I'm going to go invest in them. I love them as annoying as they are. I'm going to tell them that Jesus loves them. Maybe that family member who's let you down. I know, I've, I know how that is. Disappointed you. Stolen from you. Lied to you. Done you wrong. Man, I, I just encourage you to witness to Share that, tell them that Jesus loves them. I think about this in my life. He knows everything about me. And not everything about me is pretty, man. As a pastor, many times we act like we have no problems, we have no struggles. Listen, I've got sin struggles. Got mental problems. God help me. If you pastor, you got mental problems. Amen. Stress. Sometimes bitterness will creep in here. Bad thoughts. Here's the thing about God, and I love this. He knows all that. He looks at us, and He loves us in spite of that. He loves you in spite of that. You know what? He loves those other people too. Aren't you thankful He's gracious with you? Aren't you thankful He's patient with you? Aren't you thankful He's forgiving with you over and over and over again? Aren't you thankful He's loving? Listen, let's follow the example of Paul and witness. Be a faithful witness. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. Just for a minute at your seat. We're not going to have an invitation, but I just want you to think about it. Maybe think about somebody God's laid on your heart and maybe lift them up tonight. And say, God, give me the boldness to witness to them and to share the good news.